Welcome to the International Civil Society Centre's Futures and Innovation podcast. I'm Vicky Tung, the Programme Manager for Futures and Innovation here at the Centre. Our annual innovation report brings into focus innovations that can benefit international civil society organisations and also shows in turn how these organisations are benefiting society in challenging or complex contemporary contexts. This podcast episode forms part of our 2020 edition on civil society innovation and urban inclusion, highlighting how a range of organisations are working in cities around the world to deliver inclusive solutions for whole communities or particularly marginalised or vulnerable groups of residents. In each of these podcast case stories, we really want to lift the lid on these innovations and hear directly from the people at the heart of designing and delivering them. So today I'm delighted to be talking to Yagub Kubeda, who is the Executive Director of the Civil Society Organisation Mosaico Azioni per i Refugiati, Action for Refugees from the city of Turin or Torino in Italy. Thank you so much for joining me today, Yagub. Thank you and happy to be with you in this uh, chat. So who is Mosaico and what do you do? Mosaico Action for Refugees is a refugee-led organisation based in Turin since 2006 from a group of refugees. They try to provide new narrative about refugees and uh, as resources can contribute in the host community while help refugees and their families in the integration process by legal services and also cultural and social inclusion projects. Mosaico also work in advocacy to promote refugee and asylum rights in local and national in EU level. We start as volunteers for 11 years and in collaboration with local and refugees working together to help refugees. So we try also to insert in our team locals, students also in particular, they come from the university and they try to to make volunteers in uh, refugee or migration organizations. And we help them with the CSEs and they help us with our organization needs. So it's an exchange of experience also. So some of the students, after they finish their university, they decide to remain as volunteers with Mosaico. So maybe they came also only for three months and after that, they remain with us for a long time. So this collaboration with locals also give us not closed-minded uh, refugees that work alone, but open-minded. And also, thanks to Open Society Foundation, now we are bigger because as a volunteer organization, we cannot access the funds. We cannot make big projects because everything depends on our work as volunteers. Thanks to Open Society, they fund the enforce of the structure of Mosaico. See, we are able to hire three staff members and to enforce our work in the organization. Now, our scale of activities and projects became huge. We used to make one project until its end, but now we have a lot of projects. We have projects of giving service from OSC projects is a comprehensive project, is a huge project that there is a lot of things inside. Student project, refugee student project, and also research projects. Now we are doing a lot of researches now. We have Erasmus project, uh, plus uh, project uh, with uh, 
Additus in Malta and other organizations that uh, about creating training kit for the Figilet organization to make uh, and their communities to how to refugiate organizations self-organize and advocate for themselves. So we have other research project with the region of Tremont institution is also about job insertion and how refugees can overcome job insertion and, and inclusion. We have this kind also of academic <laughs> dimension. So your OASI project is named after the Italian acronym for Orientation, Listening, Support and Integration. What's the big idea behind this program and where did it come from? This actually is one of our projects. Is the start with the funding of UNHCR Intersource Fund. This is about, we call it OASI, uh, the acronym, but uh, in English is WISIS, so a place to calm down during your journey and to rethink and to decide to continue your integration path on uh, more information and more consciousness. So it's about refugees and migrants in transit and due to uh, their hard situation of living, unemployment and homelessness that push refugees and migrants to re-immigrate and continue their immigration path. So they came to Torino and they tried to cross to the north of Europe. They face a lot of problems in the mountain and also human traffickers and uh, lost their money. And it's a very bad situation. So we decide to make this project because we are already collaborating with the prefecture and the cities in the border with France in the Alps mountains to give information and to help these people from the danger they face. We think about it and working in the border, but we think we have to work before the release of border. So we decide to make it OAZ on uh, Porta Nova, this uh, Turin uh, main train station. Around this uh, departure and arrival locations, so we catch refugees that uh, in transit in their very hard situation. So we give them information, we show them all the services in Torino, and we also provide them with information about, we listen to them and we try to solve their problems. Maybe they have legal problem, maybe they have unemployment problems. So we try to, to find a way to reintegrate them in the society. So this is about the whole idea of the project. But when we start in, in the border, so we come to Torino train station, main train station, and then now we are in the, all the territory of Turin. So now we call it Oasi on the street because we individualize that these people went also decide to stay. So they went to live in squads and, and informal housing in the territory of Turin. So we try to reach them in these places and provide them also with uh, all the services that we can help them to come out of the situation. This situation of homelessness is more refugees are living now in Torino than refugees that they are find a way. So Torino is the city of last uh, statistic is 900,000 population. 
in this city we have only 9,000 refugees and asylum seekers. So the perception is very high when politicians talk about refugees, and but the numbers are small regarding the population. Most of them living in informal housing or living without address register in the municipality. So they don't have access to service. And this has became more visible during the COVID-19 because they cannot access to the fund of emergency that give by the municipality, not even food bags. So they became invisible in the society. So we try to make them visible and to help them to overcome COVID first. And now they became visible <laughs> and, and we have to advocate for them and solve the problems. So we are trying to reach all the institutions because we believe in Mosaic, we have approached that we can help to go out of the situation, but the main sustainable solution should come from the institution. So we are in dialogue and in collaboration with institutions to find innovative solutions. Until then, we, are, we will keep catering for that. So could you talk a bit about some of the typical everyday experiences of refugees in Turin and just how important having an address is and the impact on why this kind of excludes them from access to services? Yeah, housing is a big issue in Torino, not only for refugees and asylum seekers or migrants, it's for everyone, everybody, but especially in particular for refugees because they came and in the reception centre as asylum seeker. And when they be recognized as refugees, they became more vulnerable because they put them in integration program for six months and they have to uh, leave the, the reception center without proper housing, without proper job or schooling or whatever. So they find themselves unemployed and homelessness. And this leads them to live in squats and in informal housing or to try to continue their immigration path. So we try to help this category of refugees, also because the situation, not only because they they don't have a place to sleep, but because they they cannot even renew their documents, even their their permitted stay or the health card. So if they have health problems, they have to pay in private way, and that they don't have. So. Of course, if the problem is uh, life uh, matter, they can go to the emergency in the hospital. But to cure themselves later and uh, to have a doctor and to go on with their life and to renew their documents, they need housing address, so they don't have. The problem is now is not just for uh, COVID help yeah. or is for renew their document, permit to stay and health cards and family reunification, everything needs physical address. Also, we bring this problem to the United Nations office of Rome, and they come and visit us in Torino, and we bring them to see the people, how people live in the squads. Two days ago, we bring the, the new head of the office of Rome uh, to visit the squads, people in informal housing, and listen, and listen to their problems. And it was really 
shocking to them to see something like this happening in Europe, people living in that way, and bureaucracy cut them off because these people are international protection holders and they just have no access to any kind of services, not even renew their documents. So it's really shocking and people living uh, now Turin is already cold without eating in this kind of buildings. We try to, to advocate and bring this, the voice of this invisible part of the society to the top of decision-making. Um, so with municipality, we talk about also the free of movement because in terms of subsidiary protection, they are not provided the document, travel document. But we know that refugees now, for example, Syrians or Afghans or uh, Pakistan or Somalia or Sudanese, they have very long time of refugee situation. For example, people in Darfur, they are living since 2003, uh, this situation to be a refugee. So a lot of family members, they sparse in Europe. So maybe you are here in Italy, but you have your cousin or your sister or your mother in Holland or other European countries. So you cannot go to visit them. And refugees find themselves stuck here, even if serious problem happens uh, when somebody is sick or uh, you have a family member uh, not feeling well, so you cannot even go to visit. And uh, this is really shocking. Also, we explained to the UN that this travel document is needed for family reunification because without this document, a refugee with subsidiary protection cannot access to reunification. So it's important, and we don't understand why bureaucracy try to not help <laughs> because they're right. So we, we are not giving them something it's not the right. So go to your embassy is not an answer from the authority. We are not providing you any kind of documents. Solve your problem with your embassy. I'm a refugee. Even if I have a subsidiary protection, that doesn't mean I can go to my embassy. It doesn't mean my embassy could issue for me this document. We have in Darfur, there is 700 villages burned with fire. So there is no any kind of registry. They don't have any kind of document even to, to show they are Sudanese. So uh, how they can go to their embassy and ask for travel document? We know that also uh, most of the embassy and consulates here in Italy, they are not providing any kind of uh, passport. They don't have this kind of service. It's a very difficult situation. They, they find some, themselves in this kind of situation, so they find themselves obliged to use their creativity to reach uh, their families in another part in Europe. So they pay human trafficker or they try to climb the mountain. And we have a lot of people died in the in the mountain between France and Italy here. So I personally buried uh, some people. For those who decide to reintegrate integrate and find themselves, they face a lot of problems, even if they have physical address or they have document renewed, everything. They still have the unemployment. COVID-19 make it more difficult now for a lot of them. So students, refugee students, they have a lot of problems. They Now everything is online. They don't have computers. They don't have 
proper internet connection. They don't have uh, study material. They lose their housing. It's complicated, the situation of refugees, since they go out of the reception center or since they became unemployed. So it's really hard. That's a good. One of the inclusion dimensions we're focusing on is integrated systems-wide approaches. You've talked a bit about how Mosaico works at the community level, your city-wide collaborations and your advocacy, which is both at city, national and regional level at the EU. Could you talk a bit about what this, what your work looks like at these different levels, please, and how you link it all together? Our approach is uh, stakeholders' approach and to find comprehensive solution. So if Mosaico is working to help refugee students, we try to find partners and we try to find other organizations and even institutions that give the same service or a similar service so we can join so uh, with the University of Turin and with other organizations, we create a project to help refugee students. We incorporate our, our project in another kind of project. And also with the municipality, with the Prefecture of Turin, we are in collaboration to find also solution for thrown problems. During the COVID, the municipality of Turin recognized Mosaico in the crisis unit of uh, civil protection because we we can move. So we have this uh, paper from the municipality so we can go out and reach these people and provide them food and uh, medicine and hygiene and product. So this collaboration with the institution also make it easy for us to advocate with institution, with dialogue because we are not all only criticized, but we also we provide service. So, so this became easy for us to advocate. And also with uh, the local organizations and churches, we have a long collaboration with Valdese Church, Chiesa Valdese in Turin. Uh, since our the foundation of Mosaico until now, uh, we are in collaboration with the church, with our collaboration now we, with San Paolo Bank and with Open Society, with the municipality. So we have these collaborations and also with the refugee-led organization. Now we are co-founder of UNIRE. The Union of National Italian Refugees and Exile is a, a platform from refugees organization of refugees, uh, refugee-led organization from all the Italian territory. Here also, we, with this platform, we want to advocate and to reach policymakers' tables and, and to defend also asylum rights. With EU level, we are part of refugee lead network again. We call it RISE, uh, Refugees and IDs and Solutions for Europe. We make a lot of joint actions like going to Lesbos, protesting against the EU Turkey deal, visiting Moria Camp, going to the parliament, make flash mob in front of the EU parliament to drop Dublin regulation. So again, we feel that the EU level is important because it reflects in the local. So we have to reach also the, the EU. So we became part of ECRE, European Council of Refugees and Exile. Since 2011, we participate in the work groups in, inside ECRE. And in 2015, we became member of ECRE. And in 2018, I became 
board member of ECRA. <laughs> so I'm very proud that our advocacy, because ECRA, I think ECRA is the top of advocacy in Europe about asylum and how to defend and promote asylum rights in, in Europe. So in the world, because uh, ECRA, we have uh, more than 106 organizations from more than 40 different countries. So, so this is uh, a part of of our collaboration and approaches uh, how to to try to find not only everyday solution but sustainable solution. So you've clearly got a very strong multi-stakeholder approach. You've already mentioned a range of actors: the city, UN. Academia, faith-based organizations, uh, foundation partners, and other refugee-led organization and networks. You're listening to the International Civil Society Centre's Futures and Innovation Podcast. This episode is part of our 2020 Innovation Report on Civil Society Innovation and Urban Inclusion. So one aspect of OSE which I'd really like to pick up with you is the OSE on the Street app, because you've developed this very closely with both the city of Turin yes. and, and the private sector as, as stakeholders. Can you tell us more about where the app came from, what it does, and how you develop this collaboration with these important stakeholders, please? Yes, the app comes from a map. We make a map of the city with all the services, free services in the city, place dormitories, places to eat and uh, and to have a bath and cultural places and also the major offices and services that can help. And the thing that gives us satisfaction that the map is not going only for refugees, other categories, migrants and Italian and other, uh, all people they they make use of this app and we distribute it also to an organization that deal with ex-detainees when they come out of prison they need to orientation and we give them this uh, so they ask us uh, this app so we print, we print it out and we bring it to this uh, organization that deal with ex-detainees prisoners so it's a service that help everyone because we feel that important but we just said, why we don't use technology? Because printing like that is not good because you have to be there to distribute it. So if we just make an app and that's it. So from this map, we develop the app and be easy to download and to share with social workers, with refugees, with migrants, with local. So for everybody, it's a gift from Mosaico to the city. So this is one of our approach is to create models to help not only refugees, but to help everyone. So the app is a model targeted refugees, but in the end, it's a gift for the city and the municipality and Sao Paulo also company. They help us with the fund, with help us with in launching this app providing us also information because also the municipality has a book about the services. So <laughs> it's uh, very useful, but it's, it's not easy to distribute it for people in need. So it's a book, you know, 
So, it's just the list of addresses. It's, li- yeah, yeah. It's it like was, a so it's like a directory. Yes, yes, yes. It's, it was very useful for us to develop the app, but it's difficult to use by the target group, the vulnerable people, homeless or whatever you give them the book and you associate that as the map. It was easy, but it's difficult because somebody has to be there to give the map. So the app is easy and everybody can download. So we developed the app for, for that reason. And also use of technology. We have to be smart city. We have to use the technology. We have to innovate. <laughs> we have to use technology. We have this long collaboration with uh, Webancom company. It's IT and marketing company. So they work in the app. So they decide to hire refugees to work in the app. So this is for us was also very good thing from this company. So it was very useful also to show that refugees can be useful as a resources also. And you currently estimate that the app's reaching around a thousand people, and that's not just refugees. You're seeing all sorts yeah. of people using it. Yeah, it was very useful in these two in these two years. It became very more useful uh, during the COVID nineteen because also people need to know about the services because there's a lot of services suspended. So you don't have to go until the service and you come back because you, it's not disclosed and uh, this kind. So we give also information about COVID. The app give information in different languages about COVID-19 uh, and how to protect yourself and uh, how to, uh, to find places that you can get help instead of go around the city and find everything is closed and you, you don't find the service. So it was very useful for uh, homeless and for refugees and asylum seekers who are out of reception uh, centers to find a way. Also, uh, the OASI on the street is not only the app. The OASI street is a project that provides also materialistic help physic- uh, to refugees and asylum seekers. So we help them with renew their, their documents. We pay for them the tax of renewal. We pay them the health care uh, and medicine. We also pay for them train tickets. Maybe they have to go to make their interview for the commission or whatever. So we help them with that. And also we pay for them sometimes also the dormitories until we find a solution. So it's a very big project. And also during the COVID, we use the fund to provide food and medicine to these people. So we, we go to the squats and homeless uh, and formal housing. And we just said to them, stay there. Don't move. We bring to you everything. Two times per week, we bring to them food and and medicine and hygienic products, masks, and also we have collaboration because it's very hard to distribute vegetables fresh every day. So we have collaboration with uh, farmers in the territory. They bring these fresh vegetables and fruit directly to this informal housing. It was very good because now it's, it's becoming more useful because now we are 
uh, about to to make a new project with farmers to cultivate vegetables in this house <laughs> in this uh, uh, housing it's useful to training so farmers are going to train refugees how to cultivate this garden in the vegetables in the garden but we are in discussion with the municipality to become a social garden program so small or big garden to cultivate vegetables to self use so these people can cultivate their their food by themselves and this is an example of how you innovate right because the way you described it before was this was an idea that really came from the farmers themselves and something yeah. that they had and so you took this idea and worked with them and the communities to to scale it up to something bigger and then get the municipality involved could you talk a bit about that yeah it's a opportunity the, now the covid it was a disaster but from this we we come out with opportunity to collaborate with farmers so yeah it was very it's about integration because when we put in contact farmers with this realities of refugees it becomes like something that they never know about it so they are cultivate their uh, vegetables and fruits and they bring it to the market but they don't have meat refugees in this kind of situation or so for them was the first time to be in touch with refugees so when they see that refugees helping refugees so they said okay also we we can help so we can training them in agriculture how to make uh, vegetables how to cultivate vegetables and we help them with the first steps and also sometimes they have over so we pay them mosaico pay them to, for that but sometimes they have over products so they don't sell so they bring it for free for, for these people so this is opportunity also for refugees to be in touch with local and to start also socialize with this people and it's it's opportunity for integration is there anything you else you want to say in terms of what other kind of inclusive outcomes you've achieved so far yes during the covid we reach uh, these people that living in squads so there are almost 250 300 people we give them everyday food and also we distribute more than 3 30000 food bags we distribute more than 500 homeless kids we also try to insert some refugees in reception centers and to find and services and uh, so we reach more than 80 cases we we find we put them in contact or we solve the problem with reception and services so this is only <laughs> during the the covid-19 so since uh, 14 years we are working so we reach uh, a lot of uh, refugees and asylum seekers almost in our help desk it was uh, two days per week now it's every day per week because finally we have our office after long time co-working so finally we have our office so we have now we have uh, everyday uh, help desk but uh, we have every week more than 10 cases or 15 cases so uh, a huge number that we reach actually one of our projects is uh, is uh, the event 
is uh, the World Refugee Day. Since 2007, we organize in Torino the World Refugee Day. And for us, it's a moment of reflection, discussion, and between the host communities, civil society organizations, institutions, about uh, what's happening, the situation of refugees and asylum seekers, and how to overcome their problems, and how to use their energy and their, their resources, because everybody can have capacity, have talent, have skills, have resources, there are resources, how to channel these resources in a, in a good way. So we start with, with this uh, World Refugee Day as a local. So we discuss the local, what's happening in Torino. All these stakeholders, they participate in the day and also refugee-led or civil societies or municipalities. So all of them, they participate. But since two years, since uh, we became a member of ECRE, we thought that this World Refugee Day should be prouder, should be an European World Refugee Day. So not only local, we discuss about local issues, but also EU issues. So we invite all organizations in the Mediterranean, because I am a representative of the Mediterranean region in the Board of ECRE. So we invite them every year to come to Torino and uh, to discuss the issue of uh, refugee and asylum and access rights in the whole Mediterranean region, from Portugal to Turkey. So all uh, these countries uh, participate uh, in the World Refugee Day as an activity. Also, we have another project, we call it Channel of Solidarity. And now we are trying to, in this project, to create a model for alternative to detention in a comprehensive way for integration. Not only we just prevent detention or we advocate for anti-detention, but also to try to find another solution that can be used as alternative to detention. With our collaboration with Inputsman of prison, with lawyers, association working with prisoners, now we are creating these new models with the help of Open Society again and also with uh, the help of ECRE also and EPIM and other European. One of the innovation dimensions we're looking at is how these approaches are disrupting the status quo. I think you've talked a bit about this, but is there anything else you want to add in terms of like the wider system or, or sector level? How the work that you do represents a new challenge to the system and how to do things differently? Through our expertise and to be in ourselves as refugees first. So we able to individualize the problems and to find solutions to be as a consultancy to the institution by providing also our models of integration and social inclusion. So this is for us important to create networks. So we have a network to work in Europe, we have a network to work in Italy, we have a network to work in uh, student projects. For example, now last week we have got a huge norm recognition from the High Commissioner of Refugees, Filippo Grande. He get a prime for a book he wrote, is Costruttori dei Ponti, Construction of, of Bridges. So this prime is half a small part of money 
5,000 euros. So Filippo Grandi, when he gets this prime, he decides to give this prime to Mosaico. For us, it was a huge, it was uh, unbelievable to get this uh, recognition from the High Commissioner of Refugee for our student projects. So for us, it's really enormous. Uh, we are happy about that. Congratulations. It's great to get that kind of visibility and recognition. So how do you find your work? Do you constantly having to learn and adapt as new ideas come and look at new ways of partnering? We start small. We always try to not make a very large step. We just start small. For example, the student project, we start from giving translation and recognition for diploma and orientation to how to join university. And after that, we noticed that this is not enough. So we have to provide uh, study materials. So it's not enough. So we wrote a project and we bring it to the Otto per Mille, the Chiesa Valdese, Valdesian Church, and they fund it. And here the step came uh, larger because we provide housing, we provide the study materials, books, computers, solve legal problems, recognition of diplomas, uh, continue. And it's became larger. And, and now we are also doing more that not only for university, but after university, because with the Municipality of Torino, we start with training after university. So with uh, job grants, so they can practice working in companies or working in their material of study to make some experience. So the six months of job grants that we are able to make after university also. So it starts from small and became bigger. I think it's healthy because here we can individualize what is better, how we can be effective our project. OASI start small around Porto Nova Station to give only information. And now we are in all the territory of Torino. We are not only giving information, but also give food and everything and, and help people with their documents, legal lawyers, this collaboration with ASCI, Association of Lawyers, so immigration, specialized immigration. So we solve legal problems and also we have collaboration with psychologists, with Association of France Fanon. So they give also a psychological support. And Mosaico became a comprehensive, very uh, large project. And now we have this with inside Mosaico, uh, OASI became more broader. So we have this channel of solidarity. So about detention, about the work with uh, farmers, about other things come out. And of course, in particular, we have, we use technology, we have an app. So. <laughs> There's yeah. always learning and adapting from yeah. from where you start off. You go in directions that yeah. you unfold yeah. as you see everyone's needs and you see yeah. what it is yeah. that you can do for them. So talking a bit more about this scalability in your work beyond Turin, you've talked a bit about how you participate in some of these Italian and European-wide refugee-led networks. Could you talk more about your role in actually bringing those about and how you share the expertise and knowledge from your experiences Turin and how you kind of both inform and gain from these networks that you've helped set up as a route to scaling your experiences? 
Yeah, asylum issue is not local. It's not local issue. We work in Torino. We work everyday life in Torino. In Torino, we meet all refugees coming from all part of Italy, from Sicily, from Lampedusa. So we have knowledge about what's going on, being refugees ourselves, and trying to find solution because we, we promote self-reliance of refugees to find solutions. So uh, we have expertise and we are not trying only to solve everyday problems that we are do naturally every day. But we want to reach also decision makers uh, tables in national and EU level. So these networks helping to find solutions, to find advocacy, effective advocacy for asylum and uh, refugee problems that we can benefit also in the local level. So because asylum is uh, no more an Italian problem or a Turin problem. It's EU issue. I don't want to call it crisis because we don't have... <laughs> there is no crisis. It's European crisis, not refugee crisis. So they use refugees as to distract from the real problems, mafia or whatever. And, uh, but refugees, we see that from numbers that they are so not so... In Torino, we have 9,000 out of 900,000. So a small number, but the perception is very high. And politicians continue to use uh, immigration for them campaign. And this is not helped uh, at all. So unless we have a collaboration with all the stakeholders, with all our networks in Europe, uh, to find a, a solution and advocate all together for solidarity and to defend because we are defending European values. Thanks, Yagoub. I think the scope of what you do is really impressive given that you've been volunteers for most of your history. I think you're still only three members of staff and you're also continuing to expand your projects at city level in Turin. And I think everything that you've shared is a great illustration of how one organisation can really multiply your impact and scale and your influence through very shrewd network approaches, which you influence. And finally, what are your lessons and takeaways from working in in urban areas for other organisations? What kind of insights do you want to share? Working for a non-refugee organisation all my experience is there also. It's good, but refugees, they don't reach the decision-making in this organization. And always they are behind the local. Refugees never be inside this organization and a figure that decide on the projects and, and give his say. So they do what they think is better for refugees. They don't ask refugees what, but they do a huge job. They are very human. They are doing a lot of job. They are helping a lot. Okay. But they don't see a refugee as a pro- protagonist. They as a help receiver. Not so this is what I feel about uh, working with other NGOs differently with ECRE. ECRE, since our participation in 2011, they let us sharing policy papers, uh, litigation, brainstorming, and all work groups inside ECRE. We find ourselves there, listen, and include our comments in the policy papers and 
in the advocacy campaigns. So let alone I became a member of the board now. <laughs> so this is a, another approach. So not all NGOs are in this way, but uh, you most of NGOs are in Italy, at least they see uh, refugees as also uh, vulnerable and need help. They don't see them as a resources. This is what I can uh, comment on NGOs. And anything about how to work with cities and city city partners? Work with cities is city of Turin. We have very good collaboration with the city, but the problem is that this, there is no sustainability for the the projects. So also when uh, political representation change in the city, everything is changed again, and uh, so there is up and down in. Uh, in integration programs and projects, but uh, we try to to make our collaboration with the city because we believe that the solution should come from the institution. So <laughs> we can do what we can do, but in the end, the solution should come from there. So we try to advocate and convince and talk and dialogue with the institution because Fortunately, after all these years, they are listening to us. Thanks, Agoub. And so, what are where next for Mosaico? What are your big ambitions for the next coming years? Yeah, in the future, for example, we not the coming years, but the coming needs now, Maybe. because we are we are seeing that what is going on about COVID nineteen, and now this post COVID, and people are unemployed. So, how we can we find a way to help these people because I think job is uh, the key of everything for human dignity, for integration, for everything. So find a job is uh, really, I think, is uh, basic for social inclusion and integration. So we are thinking about coaching program, so uh, orientation. And, and, and guide refugees to find a job. Uh, is a, again, we will start from language school, language courses, and professional uh, training, uh, vocational training courses, or also startup courses. And after that, we will see how to find fund for the startup or find a job. So we are, as we are thinking about one year coaching program, we will start with pilot uh, group and we will see. So maybe it comes, <laughs> things uh, again, more bigger than what we thought. But uh, this is uh, one of our future objectives. Also with the students, we are thinking about uh, also to become more expand to reach also humanitarian corridors students because in Italy start some organizations start to bring refugees from abroad to study and now we are we are thinking about also to to start in this uh, of kind of humanitarian corridors this is uh, something maybe in the future of course, we want to reinforce our network, European network. For us, it's, uh, it's important to make better advocacy. So you're always evolving 
always yeah. moving, <laughs> always doing many things. So how can we keep in touch with everything as you progress? Facebook, Twitter, and our website. So mosaicorefugees.org, uh, so you can reach us. Thanks, Yagoob, and we'll include those in the episode description. Thanks very much for joining me today and sharing the story of your amazing organisation and everything that you're able to do. Thank you very much. I'm very happy about this uh, interview and talking to you. It's uh, really give us satisfaction because we are in Turin, we are local, nobody knows about refugees. But yeah, in this, thank you and thank you also to Open Society initiatives and uh, to give us this visibility. We appreciate it very much. Well, you might feel that you're just sitting there in Turin, but I think there's a lot of lessons and inspiration that everyone can take from what you're doing. So thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. You can find links to more information and resources on both this innovation case study and the Centre's 2020 Civil Society Innovation and Urban Inclusion Report in the podcast description. Many thanks to our producer, Julia Pazos, for all your hard work in making this podcast series happen. This podcast is kindly supported by the Konrad Adenauer Stiftung and its Strong Cities 2030 initiative, promoting global collaboration and knowledge sharing for sustainable urban development.